listening to PetLifeRadio.com. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander's up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Welcome to Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Why let sleeping dogs lie when you can take the bull by the horns and let the fur fly? So get your claws out and get ready to rattle some cages on Pet Peeves with your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Showjob. Hey there, and welcome to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Amy Shudrai, and I've got some hot info for listeners, literally. Now, that brings me to my rant of the week. Wildfires decimate thousands of acres each year, destroying homes and lives. Some, like the current Uba fire burning northeast of Sacramento, California, are caused by accidents of nature. A bird flew into a power line. And recently, Texas wildfires in my own community are suspected to be from careless smokers tossing cigarettes. But more fires than you think are caused by arson. Yep, there are some dimwits out there who set fires on purpose. Now, arson, I had to look this up. Arson is defined as any willful or malicious burning or attempting to burn with or without intent to defraud and that's they're talking about uh, burning a, a house a public building motor vehicle aircraft anything anything and experts estimate that arson is the second leading cause of residential fire deaths and they account for 25 percent of all fires in the united states in fact according to some fbi figures i found more than 64,000 arson cases were reported just in 2007. Why do people set fires and, and how do we stop them? Well, my guest today, along with his canine partner, maybe can offer us some insight into these questions and more. Lieutenant Arthur Sakowski is a 35-year veteran with the Philadelphia Fire Department and began training with the Fire Marshal's Office in 1990 after being a company officer to both engine and ladder companies. Lieutenant Sakowski holds the distinction of being the first canine handler for the Philadelphia Fire Department, and he's the assistant fire marshal. Along with his canine partner, Porsche, he has been involved in many high-profile fire investigations. And as a member of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives Federal Task Force and National Response Team, Lieutenant Sakowski has responded and assisted other departments and agencies even outside of the city. So come, sit, stay, and we'll be right back with Lieutenant Sakowski and his partner, Porsche, after these messages. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. 
Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to teacherspetsessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com Having a rough day? Longing for the dog days of summer? Think your fun furry friend lives a dog's life? Well, find out everything you're begging to know as Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with pet expert and award-winning author Liz Palaika. Every dog has his day, and you'll find out how to make your dog's day fun and rewarding every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. Welcome back to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. And please help me welcome Lieutenant Arthur Sakowski and his canine partner, Porsche. Thank you so much for being a guest, Lieutenant. Amy, nice, uh, nice for your invitation. I'd like to start out these interviews, Lieutenant, with asking my guest to tell a little bit about yourself. Tell me about how did you grow up? Did you have pets growing up? And then tell me a little about Porsche. Well, I'll tell you what, um, I've always had a dog in my life. Uh, my parents, uh, and I always had, you know, the four-legged friend right beside me. And even after I got married, um, I, had a, I was stationed in Athens, Greece, and I actually had a dog over there and brought her back with me. Uh, wow! So I've always had that. I've always had the canine uh, by my side. Uh, Porsche, uh, she's the third dog that the city of Philadelphia has had. I had Gentry first, Eden, and then Porsche. And as the program through ATF and and the Philadelphia Fire Department has grown over the years from the first dog to now, it's gotten you know better and improved with each canine I've gotten because in the very beginning. Gentry, I think, was uh, maybe the 25th or 26th dog here, and I believe Eden was somewhere, I guess, like in the maybe 70s or 80s as far as canines trained. Because then, you know, they go through a program of, like, when they're nine years of age, they they have to retire. Uh, Now, Porsche, I think she's, like, I I would imagine over 100. I don't have her exact uh, number as far as, like, the canines that ATF is trained. But, uh, yeah, I've been very fortunate. I've, I've had three very good canines, uh, you know, very efficient. They love their work. Uh, they like getting into fires. They like getting dirty. Uh, I've been very fortunate, <laughs> let's put it that way. Well, what, what breed is Porsche? Porsche is a, a black lab. They're all, uh, every dog I've had so far is a black lab. They, ATF uses the, the black and yellow labs and even now the mixes uh, with the chocolate labs. Um, which there isn't one of that many out there, but they do train any canine that they uh, they feel that can make the program. Now, these canines are also trained uh, prior 
who are getting them through the Seeing Eye Foundation or the Eyes Eye Foundation up in New York or any other agency that has like a Seeing Eye program, where their their demeanors uh, kind of don't they have a deficiency. I hate saying deficiency when you talk about the dogs because there's, yeah. there's nothing wrong with them because maybe they're not designed for a seeing eye because of some other their ability. They can't break them from sniffing as much as they normally would like to. Uh, okay. <laughs> that so that could be a they, problem with a yeah. It could be a yeah. problem with a guide dog sniffing and following that cat or following that match that lit match or something. So I exactly can see that. yes. If somebody's walking down the street with the seeing eye dog and a cat goes up there, maybe they're supposed to be going straight, but they would go on <laughs> wherever that cat would go. So <laughs> God only knows where they would be ending up at. But they what they do is they give other agencies as well as ATF the opportunity to evaluate these dogs and place them in programs that use that ability, and in this case, the ability to sniff hydrocarbons, and that's what we basically go after, um, to help us at a fire scene. I wanted to ask you, too, it said, the bio that you sent said that you were the first one in Philadelphia, So, and you've been in the fire department working uh, fires for, for many years anyway. How did you get chosen to be the first canine handler in Philadelphia? Did you volunteer for this, or did they just say, hey, here's a guy, he loves dogs, let's partner him? Well, how the program evolved was, like, back in the 80s, they started this, and any area that was seeing an increase in arson, the ATF would basically come to the department, and because we had a very strong uh, working relationship with ATF, and we still do, we're, we're very fortunate with that, they approached them and said, what do you think about maybe getting a canine in the, in the unit? And this is before I even got here, and they said, yes, no problem, put us, you know, put us on board. There were, I believe, two canines in the area of Philadelphia. One was Two, actually, two were in uh, Delaware County, and one was out in Harrisburg. I had to correct myself. There was three dogs, and one was out in Harrisburg. Philadelphia was seeing a little bit of an increase. Any area itself, even outside of Philly, was being an increase of, of arson fires. So our department said, yes, we'll, we'll try it. Well, it maybe took another year, and the guys that were going to volunteer for it the last minute said, because of personal reasons, now we can't do it. I had just come on board as an investigator, I uh, see maybe a year, and my one dog, uh, Muffin, <laughs> my kids named her, she <laughs> was um, she was on her way out, let's put it this way. Um, ah. she, she was like 13 years, or yeah, she was, no, she was 11. She was 11 years of age. So I said, yeah, you know, I've always had a dog. I said, you know, I wouldn't mind it, uh, but, you know, I want to see what the program is about. And if I don't like it, I'm not staying because it's it's a strong commitment. It's like 10 weeks at the time up in Connecticut. So I went up and uh, I went through the program and everything, and it, I was amazed uh, of what the canines can do and how you, you channeled their, uh, their senses. And it was everything they told me was going to be. The dog's going to tell you, Lieutenant, you know, where the hydrocarbons are, Basically, when you read your dog, you'll know what type of hydrocarbon it was, and they'll save you a wow. lot of time in digging and sample collecting. And I said, okay, I'll sign on, and if I don't like it, thank you very much. I'll see you later. No hard feelings. Well, here I am on my third dog. But the nice <laughs> thing about this was when I, bought the, when I bought Gentry back, well, now it perked up Muffin. I mean, she was like, okay, 
two and a half years. Yeah, it was a competition every day. I mean, it was, you know, they would, she would look at him and say, this is my house. And he'd go, okay, I'm, I'm only a visitor, you know, I guess. But it, it, it really came out to be a blessing in disguise. And, and they both had fun. I took them both with me at times, if I could. And um, it was, like I said, it, I gave me my regular dog for two more years. Uh, it was like it was a competition for my affection or, or whatever. Well, that's great because you had added benefits there, and I'm not sure that people, that listeners would understand that these dogs, they are not only partners in your business, they're partners in your life. They, these dogs live with you. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, they do. Uh, they do. The more, the concept with the, our, the ATF dogs and the arson dogs is the teamwork. It isn't just that it's a dog. You have to put a lot of time and and energy, and it has to, it's, I always say it goes up and down the leash in a positive or a negative way. If the dog's having a bad day, you have to help it. If I'm having a bad day, she's going to help me. And it just works. It just does. How old is Porsche now? How long have you two been together? Well, we've been together uh, five years now. She's just, she, she'll be nine in uh, March. Yeah. Ah, yeah, March, so... March 24th. Yeah, she'll be nine. So next well, year, I'm she's no going to be certain, and the following year, we both retire. Matter of fact, we have uh-huh. 360 days to go, and that's when we both retire. <laughs> oh, wow. I have a retirement wow. clock, yes, yes. Yeah, I have 36 <laughs> years in, and uh, in our office, we have a thing with uh, whoever's retiring, they give you a countdown clock. <laughs> and I have it oh, right on my fun. desk, and I'm looking at this 360 right here. <laughs> No. Well, you mentioned you mentioned that the training lasts ten weeks. So I'm assuming the dog already has some preliminary training, and then you are trained to interpret what the dog's telling you or how you guys work together. How does how does that work? And wh- how does Porsche tell you? How does she alert? This is the kind of accelerant that you know is an Inspire, but over here it's a different kind of accelerant. What what kind of alerts does she give you? Well, what she does is she, it's called a passive alert, where the dog sits on a hydrocarbon, uh, what we call, ignitable liquid. She doesn't really identify, like I can tell if it's gasoline, that's what we call a strong hit. She just comes in there and she salvaged pretty good and she'll sit to it and like, you know, really go at it. If it's like a hyd- another hydrocarbon-based product like diesel fuel, uh, kerosene, paint thinner, acetones, stuff like that, varnish, uh, lacquer thinner, it's a different kind of look. It takes a little bit more for her to get at it because we're basically trained. I train her every day. In other words, our process is the dogs just don't get a bowl of food in the morning or a bowl of food at night. You have to train them every day of whether you test their skills. If I'm driving down the street, I'll put a drop, I'll say go by a basketball court. On that court, maybe I'll put five or six drops out there. Or on the football ah. field, I'll put a couple drops out so there. So you're constantly doing tune-ups with her, keeping yes. her sharp, yes. you know, because you can't call up the local friendly neighborhood arsonist and say, hey, we need to train the dog today, go set a fire. No, no, exactly. <laughs> we have to train them each day. And also, each month I burn about 40 cans of all different materials that you would commonly see in your house, whether it's carpeting, pieces of furniture, wood, foams, toys, stuff that the dog's going to smell in a, in a building. When we take the dogs in, the dogs differentiate between burned-out building and a burned-out building with hydrocarbons. And when they smell the hydrocarbons, they go to it because that's, their, that's what they're trained to, to sniff out. Besides the smells that they normally get, they're, looking, they're searching for the hydrocarbon odor 
or the sample that's in that in that fire that's excelled that fire to where you know devastated the property. But that's basically wow. what it is. I mean, you know, it's each day she gets like three cups of food. So basically, I have to go around. Either we go to a fire that day, or I have to train her. Whether it's in the back parking lot here, on a playground, in the back of my house, in my garage, she has to get her nourishment in, and it's it's a test. Uh, and that's how we keep the dogs proficient because you have to push the dog a little bit to make it more like a game, uh, so to speak, to keep their skills up where you know exactly what the dog's doing. And, you know, when she's looking at you like, look, there's something here, Dad. I just have to give me a little bit longer time to find it. And whether I have to move furniture or have to move something like this for her to get in there by her mannerism, whether the, the tail's wagging, which she usually does, uh, and she's kind of like aggressive, or they all were aggressive, of trying to, again, make the team look good. I ah. can't tell you how many times like, I could take the dog in, the dogs into a, in a fire ground with firemen around. Now, you picture, here's, here's a darkened building, firefighters, you know, with their gears on and lights and the, the noises and everything. And here comes the fire marshal with the dog. And everybody's saying, like, okay, what are we doing now? You know, the dog <laughs> comes in, looks up, the tail's wagging. It's a camaraderie that... Now, everybody's like, going, wow, look at the dog. It's doing this and it's doing that. It's Dogs like the dog is on stage. Dogs. Yeah, see what I found? You know, yeah, and it's like the dog is on stage and gets applause for, for doing a good job, and that's as much reward, I would guess, as the, oh, as yeah, the yeah. food is. And, you know, whether, like in our, in our area, we'll have at least 10 to maybe 15 guys, and everybody will have to come by the dog and say, nice job, nice job, <laughs> Jenna, nice job for us, you know. And that's that's what's rewarding on it. The dogs, the tail starts wagging even more. It's again, it's the team concept that we uh, we try and instill in the dogs. So does Porsche have a badge that she wears when she's yes, she off duty too? Yes, she when, does. when she's she off duty a, yeah, too. Just a little badge that just says uh, Accelerant Detection Canine. Has her name on the middle. It's kind of like the like a Marshall badge with the star in the middle. Yep. That leads me to another question. Then does Porsche's nose? stand up in court i mean can she test can her her detection does that is that testimony that would be admissible in court yes when we take the samples uh, say she alerts her someplace and what she basically does is she'll come in sniff around point to the area and sit down and say all right dad feed me and i feed her now i look up and i say all right you know show me better and then she'll put her nose even closer to where the better sample would be taken i take that sample and what i do is i put it in a can Submitted to a crime lab. She gets verified as far as if it's a positive match for a hydrocarbon base by the chemical lab. Now, sometimes, depending upon the severity of the fire, I'll submit a sample and it'll come back negative. I know it's there because of other indicators, what we call burn patterns. It's just that it's burned away. The door can pick it up, but the machine can't. The uh, gas chromatograph was basically, I think, I believe it was designed on the human nose as opposed to a, well, I'm not saying the human nose. They have other machines out there with design on the human nose, but the gas chromatograph isn't low enough to detect what the dogs can. And the reason why I say that is because years ago when I first got gentry, there was a chemist over there, Joe McBride. He did a blind test on me. He put samples in a, in a can. He burnt the can with the gasoline in it. He put it in the, and he, you know, he labeled it. He put it in the gas chromatograph. It came back negative. He gave me those can, that can with three other cans. I said, you tell me which one with your dog is the one that has the hydrocarbon. I put it in front of Gentry. 
he picked it out. So, wow. And I, it was unbeknownst to me that he was doing this. So when we went to court, he testified to that, and I said, oh, thanks, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> but it was good. I mean, it was, it was, again, you have to push the dog's, you know, senses and everything else to, you know, get the end result. Well, we will continue our conversation with Lieutenant Sikowski after messages from these sponsors. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Give your dog some thought with Dog Thoughts. It's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about. What do you think of this? A man in Davis, California says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. Huh? No, it's true. Now, I read about it on my cat's Twitter page. That's fine. Jay Leno talked about it. CBS reported on it. And now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. <gasps> on your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peas. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. We're back. And again, speaking with Lieutenant Arthur Sikowski and his accelerant detection canine, Porsche, although we haven't heard from Porsche yet. I'm hoping we'll hear from Porsche in a minute here. Um, the Philadelphia Fire Department has been an active participant in the canine program since April 16th of 1994 when the first canine, Gentry, was placed into service. And after Gentry retired at Eden, continued where Gentry left off, now Porsche has assumed these duties and has responded and assisted in more than 300 different incidents. Porsches, by the use of her canine senses, can differentiate between accelerants and normal gases present at the fire scene and detect where an accelerant 
was placed. And she does this by doing a passive alert. She sits down and her canine handler can interpret whether what kind of stuff the bad guy used to set this fire. Now, I wanted to ask you, Lieutenant, we had already covered that, yes, Porsche lives with your family. Now, Gentry came before. Is Gentry still around? Are they living together? Or no, how many dogs do you have? Yeah, he passed. I had to um, put him down last ah. April because of uh, health conditions. And it, it was, uh, believe me, it's one of the toughest days of my life. I can imagine. I mean, when you work that closely together, it's like losing your right arm, I would imagine. Oh, um, yeah. But I wanted to ask, I mean, did Porsche and Gentry then live together for a short period of time? Yes, they did. Yes. She kind of like tried to come in and take over, you know, like the agency <laughs> dog, and uh, he just like, and he was very, um, very docile. But when you went into that little territory of his, uh, that was it. He was just like, uh, <laughs> that was it. And she basically knew with like, okay, uh, this is your house. <laughs> and he went through it with the first one. And, you know, it, it was like a succession. Uh, my second dog, Eden, I couldn't keep three dogs in the house. Let's put it that way. So a, um, a doctor my daughter worked for, his dog had just passed away. And they were looking for a, and he had a lab too. So Eden is, is enjoying a good life. Ah, Right, and that's that was uh, kind of leading on to my question. When the dogs retire, what happens to them? I'm assuming then you have the option to keep the dog or to place in a, as a pet with somebody oh, else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She'll be, uh, she'll be with me, and we're, uh, we're practicing boating every weekend as much <laughs> as we can. <laughs> so does poor sleep with the kids? It's only me and my wife. I have uh, the empty nest. I have um, uh, my two daughters and my five grandchildren. So they, when they come over, uh, believe me, she... She gets a workout. <laughs> Lieutenant, you said you began the program right at the beginning in 94. So you've gone through three dogs. The training, you said, has evolved somewhat. How is it different than it was when you first started out with your first dog? Well, it's down to uh, eight weeks now. And it's, well, the first one I went through was up in uh, Connecticut, Meriden, Connecticut. And now we're down in Front Royal, Virginia, which is the big uh, training facility for ATF, the Customs Division. And the facility is state-of-the-art. The instructors really put you through uh, the canine as far as the safety of the dog, uh, the veterinarian services. Everything is really top-notch. It's kind of like the, I, I always call it the Cadillac of, of canine training because of the way they treat not just the dogs but also the handlers. They can't do enough for you. And, and I'm not saying that nobody else did in the very beginning, but you have to remember this this program started back in 1986 from a state trooper and a chemist and I think I think it was two state troopers from Connecticut and a chemist and they kind of like were in the training stages and also the experimental stages with the dog so even when 94 was coming up they were still leaps and bounds of of each day trying to to prove the dogs efficient and Again, you know, when you, when you bring a dog out and the dog sits and it comes back negative, it's in our field, it's, okay, the dog did good, but we didn't get what we needed. So you, ah, when right. you have to go to court with that, it's, it's very frustrating, even though you, you're trusting the dogs are saying, okay, it, it probably was, or, and we, we just didn't get it. But when, when I'm saying it's improved, it's just that the care, the training they give you now is more in-depth. Again, this is, it just builds up. It's, they made that program better as each year went on because they're 
they're proactive in approach with the canines. Okay, well, I know in the past, in the past with training, just the evolution of general training has gone from a very positive way, way back, and then kind of a negative pop them with the leash, you know, uh, punish them, wait till they do something wrong, punish them so that they'll learn it that way. And now we're, we're swinging the pendulum, swinging back to the, the positive training. So you're, you're training with food rewards and, and that type of thing. Is this, are you familiar with clicker training? Is it that type of thing or the positive reinforcement? How, how is this done? How do, they, how do they teach the dogs, yes, that's what I want. You found that, now tell me that's exactly what I want. How do they communicate with the dogs? Well, there, there's never, uh, there's no punishment with these dogs itself. I mean, because first of all, I wouldn't, I wouldn't deal with that. The demeanor of the Labrador is so docile, no matter what, what do they have, and it's um, what, what it is. It's um, how can I say? Uh, Trying to think of the wording here. It's imprinting. It goes back to the Pavlovian theory, where you associate the food and the dog. Okay. Um, and that's what it is. It's it's everything is is positive. There's nothing negative. If the dog doesn't get it or uh, it isn't having a it's having a hard time with it, you just go back a little bit further and you take it easy and you bring it back into it. So as as far as like like you were saying, clicking with the leash or or smacking with the leash, I've never never seen that in the 16 years I've been doing it. Uh, where they've had like a uh, you know smacking the dog and all like that because I know they wouldn't nobody would tolerate it you know not just the uh, the dog handlers themselves but the trainers it's always been like positive for the dog even if the dog does something wrong it was always something very positive that they would put a spin on it to make the dog feel good because that's the Labrador's demeanor no, absolutely. I love hearing that because so often you you hear from you know people the dog shuts down. You can't learn in a fear situation when you're you've got your right. your mindset is is in a negative mindset. You can't learn anything. So if you can keep the dog's attitude happy and you know wait till he does something right and reward it like crazy and ignore the bad stuff or or set him up to succeed. Yeah. No, it's it's like I said it's always been positive for the dogs. I mean, and here again, when, when you're bringing a dog that's been puppy trained and goes into training with its handlers and stuff like this, now you're bringing another third party into it or an entity into it, the dog gets confused like, okay, who am I supposed to be like listening to? And all, you know, right. they, they get confused. And I've always seen it where they go, okay, let's just take our time with it. And we just walk them through it real gingerly. I mean, it's uh, not gingerly, but, you know, not firm, but okay. okay, we can both agree to disagree. How's that sound? Okay, you mentioned that uh, being involved in over 300 incidents and you've got your countdown clock going, you're going to be <laughs> retiring soon. I'm sure that you have had some experiences that would just knock our socks off. Can you give listeners an example or two of some wow cases that you worked with the dogs and what happened, how the dog worked? Uh, did you catch the bad guys? Uh, well... Uh, let me see. Philadelphia, we had the uh, I-95 Street uh, Highway fire years ago. Uh, where a bunch of uh, juveniles uh, were basically setting fires on a, in, a, in, a, in an area adjacent to 95, and then they ultimately set tires on fire underneath 95. Gentry, um, through the course of, uh, I guess, three or four months, with the task force being out there and any little fire that happened, he was alerting to all the different chemicals that they were using and 
basically we documented each one, and then when we found the juveniles that did it, their stories matched up with what we found. So that was a that was a home run. Uh, wow. The other one we had was years ago. It was six uh, six children that died in a fire uh, that was deliberately set, and that was like the basic test for Gentry when he first got here of like, okay, uh, we got a devastated house. Six six people died. Gentry alerted on the first floor to gasoline. That ended up in a, a prosecution uh, where the person got life. Uh, recently, we've had um, uh, some, you know, a lot of times you get car fires where people will, uh, for whatever reason, they're mad at each other. Uh, they'll set fire to their person's vehicle because it's a good shot at them and under the cloak of darkness. And we get called out to that. Uh, Porsche uh, recently went out to a car fire. She found a container about a block and a half away, uh, which now we have the container. We have the fingerprints. And I'm waiting for it to be identified. And it's probably going to be the boyfriend of the girl's car that was set on fire. Uh, stuff like that, it's, it's interesting. Each fire gives you a different look or a different agenda to look at. And basically, you, you look at the dog and say, okay, let's see what we can find on this one. Uh, <laughs> the one I just got to mention to you, Porsche's head was up in the air. Like she was catching uh, the odor from a good distance away. Luckily, the, the wind was blowing our way. And she put her wow. head up, and I again, I'm reading her body language, and I'm saying, okay, little girl, show me what you got. And she's taking me up the street. <laughs> and the police officer says, what's the dog telling you? I said, well, if the dog could talk, she'd be on TV. That's one thing. I said, she's interested in something, and, you know, here we go. I said, come with me, because I think you're going to be gathering some evidence. And they used to say we walked up, like I said, a block and a half away, and she got the uh, the container. And that, that, that's wow. a good one. I mean, stuff like that you, we get on, you know, rare occurrences where with her, it's, uh, you just have to let her do her, do her job. I guess that's and, the best and way then, I could say it. And then listen to what she's saying, how mm-hmm. that head's being held, the tail's wagging. Oh, yeah. Head, yeah. whatever and it is. That's the, that is the big thing. You have to be, again, and when she finds it, when she's sitting down and she's, Besides being fed, she's looking at me like saying, Dad, look what I just found for you. <laughs> and that's the one thing that majority, all the handlers, I'm not saying majority, all the handlers, they try and make the dog happy. Because what's better than a happy dog? The dog's going to just do what it, you know, it has to do within the confines of, of its job, but it's going to be as a good experience as opposed to, you know, something bad. Well, I wanted to ask also then uh, on this issue of safety for the dogs. How long do you wait until after until you take the dog in? Because I'm, I'm thinking, you know, could, could there not be some issues? Not just heat, but is there any kind of problem health-wise with the dogs inhaling some of this stuff? It can't be good for them smelling a lot of this stuff. Well, here again, it, it um, we're considered also. Uh, by the protocol of ATF and, and common sense of being a safety officer for the for the dog as well as us, as, as our own okay. self. Um, we don't leave the dogs. I mean, let me address a couple issues. We don't leave the dogs off lead. The dog is only mm, six foot away from me. So if anything happens, she's going, I'm going. You know? Okay. So that's the first thing. 
I always, we always go in and we check the safety of the, of the scene, whether, you know, the glass, the metal, anything that's, that could hurt the dogs. And I'm, I'm touching wood here. Uh, to three dogs, I've never had any of them cut, okay? And what I do is um, uh, then I do a safety uh, issue with all the, um, like the metal, glass, anything in that area. If I can, I'll sweep it away. If it's in the area of origin, we don't want to disturb it because you're basically contaminating the fire scene and you don't want to do that or a crime scene. Right. But I have also carried my dogs into a building, up ladders. I've had ladder trucks take me up to the upper floors because of things being burned away and placing them in the area where they only have to work a little bit to get the result that we believe. And you remember, a dog doesn't go in there and say, go look in the whole house. The dog is a, or the canine is a, a tool for the investigator to use in helping him determine his origin and cause. So he has to do his job before we get involved because that's his job. I mean, uh, okay. we, just, we go in to assist. Now, once the dog gets done, the dog may be in there maybe 10, 15 minutes. That's the longest I keep my, my dog in there because, again, I'm in there with the odors. I know they're harmful. It's going to be harmful for the dog because they're more uh, susceptible to to the odors anyway, and you don't want them to get overly contaminated. But anytime right. we get done a job, I take her outside, or when we get done a job, I'll go to a playground. She'll fetch a ball just to clean out her nostrils, to clean herself out, and you know to have fun. You know, besides hose her down, you know you get all the, the debris <laughs> and, and dirt off of her too. But again, oh, you know you. Less. You know, I'm like a safety officer, uh, or all the handlers are like safety officers as as opposed, you know, in looking to the, the dog's well-being. Because, you know, if so, something happens to her, you know, I take it personal that I, I didn't do my job. To close this up, what have I failed to ask you that you think would be just really important for listeners to know about your work, your dog, arsonist, anything, all of the above? Well, if you're an arsonist, if you do something or use a hydrocarbon or you set a place on fire and the dogs are going to be, you know, the canine's going to be working, chances are we're going to get you. <laughs> For whatever reason you did it, you should really think twice about doing it or before you're going to do it because there are 70, 74 canine teams throughout the United States. Wow. Uh, way, the way the economy is, uh, anything that's destroyed of any value, you're going to have detectives, fire marshals, uh, come out and investigate because if there's a reason why it's going to be burnt we're going to try and find out what it is and put you in jail (laughs) all right well we are out of time but i would very much like to thank lieutenant arthur sakowski and his dog porsche as well as the producers for making pet peeves possible i dare you to join me next week for pet peeves on pet life radio for the next installment of what hisses you off Email me suggestions or post a note to my blog by dialing up PetLifeRadio.com and clicking on the Pet Peeves logo. Oh, and don't forget, you can subscribe to the free Pet Peeves newsletter available at Shajai.com. Woofs and wags until next time. And remember, folks, handle fire with respect and take steps to protect yourselves, your property, and your two-legged and furry family members. After all... You don't want them to get peeved. 
That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.